Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Today, Andrea connects with James Egan to talk about the world of theater, screen, and lyric writing. He shares about why it is important for us to pursue excellence in our creative work. Well, welcome to another episode of Creatively Christian. I am your host, Andrea Sandifer, and today I am joined by our guest, James Egan from California. He is a Christian artist who works in the genres of theater, music, and film, and he's also a writer. So uh, this is going to probably prove to be a multifaceted, uh, fascinating conversation today. So thank you, James, for joining us today. It's my pleasure. It's uh, um, always, uh, I don't know, it's, it's like God's been opening some doors this summer. I have a uh, spinal injury, which limits me now physically. So the writing has become more, far more of my, you know, communication. And uh, I've done lyrics, I've done songwriting, I've written a musical, a couple of them. Um, so uh, when I hurt my back, I got like the greatest job. Um, uh, up in Canada, a friend of mine, uh, Todd Schaefer, a Christian, needed a, a lyricist. So here I am in physical therapy, and they're working on my back. And they say, what do you do for a living? As I'm just waiting for a job, and the phone rings. My cell phone rings right then and there. And, uh, and he hired me right there on the spot for this musical. If I can plug it, uh, it's called The Promise, uh, Birth of the Messiah. It's an animated musical. Um, there are going to be some more uh, DVDs ready soon, but you can pick it up on Amazon. Oh, that's exciting. I'm credited as lyrics, uh, as, as um, lyrics consultant because I'm, I wasn't in Canada when they did it. So they had to give me a different credit. Hey, it all counts, right? And that's hey, a job's a job, especially in the creative world. We'll yeah. take it, right? Uh, well, James, let's just jump in. What did your creative upbringing look like? I love to tell stories kind of, you know, of what God has done in people's lives in in growing their creativity. And it's just always really interesting to know where our guests have started out. So what did your uh, creative upbringing look like? Well, it was very early because I was uh, and am asthmatic. So I spent a lot of time, I'm from Illinois originally, and uh, I spent a lot of time just playing and um, with action figures and toys and stuff and watching fantastic films on television, like Mysterious Island, uh, the Ray Harryhausen version and fell in love with that kind of um, storytelling. So as soon as I learned how to write, I started writing little books. Of course, you know, you do that for your mom and she puts them up on the refrigerator or whatever. And then as I got older uh, and moved out here to California and I was in grade school, I met up with a couple of very creative friends and we would do comedy. Uh, we listened to The 2,000-Year-Old Man by Mel Brooks. We listened to Monty Python. We listened to Dr. Demento. Anything that would spark our imagination, we wrote songs. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. And it was just, could we make each other laugh? That was basically the, the goal. And then, uh, and then we'd perform them for mom and, and of course they laugh and encourage you and so in junior high um at my church at the time i had just gotten saved at 12 years of age and my oldest sister had led me to the lord 
So they were doing a Charlie Brown Christmas and I wanted to be in it. And the guy who cast me, he's a good friend of mine. I'm on Facebook with him, Scott Brewer. He may be watching this, um, directed it. And uh, I've kind of fallen in love with theater at the same time that my spiritual growth started happening. And, you know, my salvation, my walk with Christ started going to Bible studies and uh, I had a, a youth pastor who also played bass in a Christian rock band. So I was very interested in music as well and um, would always go see them when they were playing and even ended up playing with them at a couple of times when I started learning bass. So it was um, all the time. I mean, it was constantly part of my life. I would uh, be in the, the school play. I did I think three shows in my junior high and, and three in high school, and then went into um, theater arts as a major at Cal State Northridge. And it was there that I started networking with people outside who um, worked in the professional world and started my professional um, theater uh, life my senior year. So my schooling went way down because you leave a theater usually at midnight and you're hungry and you go out to eat. And then by the time you're home, it's two o'clock and you don't want to get up at eight and sit in on a class if you're exhausted and you have to do another show that night. So that, that kind of gave me a, an idea of what it was going to be like to live in a theater company, which is what I wanted to do. Um, and eventually that happened. Uh, somebody saw me in a show, invited me to join the theater company. It was a professional company. And I became one of the founding members. It's now called Thousand Oaks Rep Corporation. Uh, I, I wrote a couple of plays for them. And um, they, that's how they got me to write A Christmas Carol. They came to see one of my children's shows I wrote and uh, um, some of the sketches, I think, uh, they, were, they came to see. And then, uh, then they hired me for that. And then there you go. From that point on, I was uh, involved professionally both as an actor uh director stage manager you name it i did whatever you know they uh, they needed me to do Very and good. make yourself as useful as possible yeah. now a christmas carol the version i wrote the adaptation was specifically going to be for our company but it was going to be as traditional as possible and since dickens had a lot of christianity in his christmas and it's never shown in, in any of the movies or, or cartoons that we see. I, they didn't mind me having it in the script. So, and the area where the um, theater is, is kind of well-churched. So the audience loved it. They fell in love with this adaptation. And it's done, it's been, I think, just because of COVID, it hasn't been done. Otherwise, it would have been its 22nd year hmm. this Christmas. That's really neat. Yeah. And in, in your upbringing, you mentioned there were a lot of people yeah. along the way that really um, kind of uh, saw different giftings in you and maybe have encouraged you forward. Was there a specific person that you really believe uh, God used to really um, encourage you forward in pursuit of your creative work? Yes, definitely. Yes. Not just my father. He was part of it and my mother, um, but my youth pastor, Kenny Friedman, he's now with the Lord, but he was a creative and a very bright man. You know, I read the Narnia books uh, almost all in one sitting, it seems like. 
and he really encouraged me to read Tolkien. And then uh, he lent me a Douglas Adams book. Now, Douglas Adams was an atheist, but at the time we didn't know that. And uh, it didn't bother me. And I read, uh, I read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And so uh, that influenced a lot of my writing. But Kenny was always, I'd give him an idea and he'd say, you have to write that. There's something very important in what you're trying to say. And uh, um, there's a specific story that I haven't written out yet um, because it's not going to be a comedy. Right now I write humor, but it's going to be a straight science fiction. But uh, he was really, really encouraging me to write it because he thought it was very prescient. Well, it is by today's standards. It has to do with a lot of lawlessness and a lot of um, perversion. And a person who gets thrust into this world uh, and shocked at the, um, the, level of, the, the level of evil that human beings are allowed to get away with and, and do. There was an English teacher in junior high. I had to read The Scarlet Pimpernel, which I thought, I had no idea what it was. And I thought, well, that's an awful name. I don't know that I want to read that book. It doesn't <laughs> sound like it has anything. It was the most amazing, fantastic, fun adventure i mean it is a almost a superhero adventure story you know and uh we had to write chapter reviews to prove that we read the book well i just started writing in this humorous voice that i now use long before i even read douglas adams and i was writing like that on the in the chapter um uh, uh synopses that we had to write for the book and i got not only an a plus but a brilliant please keep doing this and that was um incredibly encouraging yeah and she came out to see a couple of my shows that i did later on when i was older and i had a drama teacher in high school who always would go to see her former students and whatever they were doing and when i was working on the passion play at shepherd church which was just within the last 15 years that i've been involved i was involved with that for 12 years before i hurt myself it was the year i hurt myself i couldn't do it anymore uh, but she even came to see that, not a Christian, not a believer, but she wanted to see what I was doing. She came out to see a Christmas carol. and So that's a person, your drama teacher. Um, this was a good drama teacher. I had a bad one in, in junior high. Uh, this was a good one in high school. She cared about you. She cared about what you were doing. Um, she didn't let uh, uh, your faith interfere with what you were doing. You know, you always get, or if any of you watching this are an actor, you'll always have somebody from some church or some area come up and say, does this interfere with your Christianity? Because you have to play a person who does this, this or that. Mm -hmm. And never has that ever been an issue with me because I've never really had to play anything like that. The worst person I ever played was Judas. And I think that's the worst person you could ever play, you know, <laughs> and uh, I he's don't, part of I the story. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Part of the story is such an important part of the story. And yeah. um, uh, I, I wrote a monologue that he, he gives while he is, you know, it says in John that the devil entered into him. So he wasn't just possessed. It was the devil. I mean, that's a, and since we were playing it as, as strict to uh, scripture as we could, I had to do a possession scene. And it <laughs> disturbed my pastor so much. He wanted to cut the next year. Oh, dear. <laughs> Oh, it was pretty good. What projects, uh, you've been kind of mentioning a lot of different projects. Was there ever an assignment that you were given 
that wasn't necessarily in your wheelhouse or something that you didn't really consider um, something you were necessarily gifted to do, or maybe it was a, an assignment that surprised you, but it ended up proving a blessing? Yes, that's a great question. And uh, um, the answer is the theater company I was with wanted to do something um, different and original for them. And they wanted a production of Treasure Island. So at first I was asked to write it, but they hadn't seen any plays that I had written yet. So they got a friend of mine, Wes Dietrich, to write this great script of Treasure Island. But then they wanted it to be a musical. So I was brought in to write the lyrics. So not had done that yet. Um, since then, I've written a lot of stuff like that. But I had not written lyrics for a, a musical. And uh, the musician came in and, and we would talk over the phone and he'd send me tapes and I'd write out the lyrics. And uh, it, it turned out we had a, a good show. And, uh, and then the earthquake hit you know, shortly before we were supposed to, to actually go up. And uh, um, I was cleaning up a huge mess in the garage with my family. And, and he showed up, he said, you called me, you wanted to talk to me. And I'm like, Oh yeah, there was an earthquake. Uh, we can't meet today. <laughs> he was really into it, you know, ready to get the music done. So we did that show. And then after that, they uh, said, please write us a Christmas carol. So well, actually, I did a children's show, a Christmas comedy called Elves. It was very successful. Um, with uh, It's had a couple of showings, uh, one with our theater company, another with a, a Christian high school. And um, it just was, it's just a comedy uh, for kids to have fun with, but it's got the gospel in it. And they, the, the theater company didn't care. They don't mind. And what what blessed me about that was they trusted it. And that's because I never really hit them over the head with anything about the gospel i just i'm a christian here's the story uh, that, that that i like to tell uh christmas carol the version i wrote was being done um we were in getting ready to be in production we've been in rehearsal for a while uh a very good friend of mine who passed away this last year david himes terrific actor terrific actor um was sitting in the dressing room over in the corner and then where I was going to sit was next to him. And next to him was our uh, artistic director, Lane Davies. I'm dropping a name here. People are going to know him from Santa Barbara, um, soap opera. But uh, it was my birthday. My birthday's in December. So uh, they said, happy birthday. And Lane said, so lad, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 32 or 34. And he says, well, you outlived Jesus. And I said, no, I don't really think so. And Oh, poor David. He thought he was going to be sitting next to a religious fanatic for the rest of the run, only to find out that he's a Christian. And <laughs> he just didn't know where I stood, you know, and we ended up becoming very close friends. We went to lunch together a lot, shared about Jesus a lot, shared about God a lot. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love one another? That's the most important thing. I mean, those were the kind of conversations he and I would end up having. Um, I'd either just call him on the phone and talk to him or we'd meet for lunch. And so when he passed, uh, his girlfriend wanted me to say a few things at the funeral and, um, uh, or a memorial. It was a beautiful memorial. And the pastor that did the service was right on. 
there was no way anybody could have left that memorial without hearing the gospel. So my uh, friendship with David Himes was a blessing. And that's a man who also influenced me, you know, make sure you're, when you're reading the work that you hit the, hit the lines that mean something, you know, make it scan right. And I mean, he was a professional from then. And very Irish like me, so the tempers could get, you know, we had to we had to watch it. We had to watch our tempers. <laughs> and, so, and he would make the best Irish bread. Irish, uh, oh, what's it called? It's an Irish bread. Um, uh, I know the name; it's just not coming to my head. But he would make it uh, for Christmas, and um, we would have a party uh, at New Year's at Rick Rhodes' house. That's another name I'm dropping. He's he's gone now too, but he won several Emmys for um, music for television. And he wrote the music for a Christmas Carol, an adaptation I, I wrote. So we would have our new year's party at his house and um, ah, Irish soda bread. That's what, uh, that's what David would bring. And it was delicious. And uh, we just built this family, this mm-hmm. theater family that still keeps going on, even though some have passed and it's been hard on some of us because we got very close and it's just like family. And my family is very close. And my dad left us in 2017. And um, I miss him. Think about him every day. He's always in my dreams. And he was a man of God who was very encouraging. Well, and James, when we, uh, when we spoke earlier this year, something that has stuck with me since that conversation is you, you talked about how... Um, you approach your work through almost like a hierarchy of service. Um, and you mentioned kind of what that, that hierarchy was. Um, and that really stuck with me. Could you share a bit more about that with our audience today? Absolutely. I was, uh, when I was brought in to the passion play at Shepherd, I was brought in as an actor. Uh, they didn't know my professional background. I found out that I had done some acting coaching and since the majority of the people that were going to be in the show that were in the choir that filled out the stage had never really acted before. So I was going to run some acting courses for them just to give them something to do in character on stage. But one of the things that impressed a friend of mine who came to see the show uh, at a certain time, she's a soprano. She has done a lot of work and dropping another name, Jacqueline Fontaine. Look her up if you can. She's amazing, uh, has an amazing voice. She came to see the show and wanted to know why there was such unity in the group. It seemed to be an ensemble and not just everybody gets their own little part. And that's when I said, well, this is what I teach. The very first thing is you're serving God. So when you're doing this play, and you want to goof around, you're kind of ruining it for other people in the show. And, and you want to honor God with the play, but you honor God by honoring the audience. They have to see you. They have to hear you. They want that story told and they want it told with drama. You know, they want to be, it's high living to go to see a play. You see something bigger than yourself and you want to serve them. Well, you serve them by serving the script, the story. You don't go away from the story. You stay with the story. And then in, in serving the story, then you serve each other. Don't take the spotlight unless it's part of the direction. Don't take direction from anybody else but the director. 
because that director is serving the script and also serving the Lord. And this has to be the attitude from the time they park their car and come into the church and the ushers seat them. There can't be anything to distract them from this experience that they're going to see. So the hierarchy is you serve God, you serve one another, or well, I'm sorry, you serve the audience, which is the people that are going to get the gospel. You serve the story, which serves one another, and, and it has an incredible impact. And every show that I've ever gone to, professional show, that was an ensemble, was a, a, a fantastic experience. And every show professional that I've gone to, that somebody, it was about them, it was a terrible show. In a, in a nutshell, that's me, in a nutshell, um, that's how I, I approach it. So I try to, try to do that with everybody that I'm on stage with, which has been quite a few years since I've done a play. But uh, that was what we did. Yeah. I guess that's the hierarchy. And I think it's really, I think why that stuck with me so much is because a majority of our conversations here at Creatively Christian point to the, the benefit of doing art in community. And in order to do art well as a community of people, we need to know how to serve each other well, how to serve our audience well, uh, and then in turn serving the Lord well. So I think that's, it's a really great thing for us to keep in mind as we work with each other and as we um, strive to create art with one another. So thank you for that. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit and talk a bit about your writing. It sounds like you're doing quite a bit more writing than um, before uh, nowadays. And I know you have in the past pursued self-publishing and uh, we have a lot of writers in this yeah. uh, community here that um, have, you know, up and coming stories that they are pursuing publishing for. But I, you know, as a self-published author, I would love to know why you prefer that. And um, yeah, maybe explain a little bit about that process. Well, I have an agent. Uh, I hope I still have him um, because he's been waiting on a book of mine for a long time. Uh, and it's taking a long time for me to write it. And part of the reason is it's a time travel story and it is a comedy and it's detailed. That's one reason. The other reason I'm in a lot of pain. So that has slowed me down. So even though I am pursuing writing more, I'm not as prolific as I was when I was uh, working in the theater, writing a lot of plays and sketches. I have a book of Christian plays that I wrote for Shepherd Church. I went to self-publish it because there was no Christian publishing company that did an anthology of skits for youth groups. There wasn't anything like that. So I did that. Uh, what happened was I got hired on staff for the Shepherd Church to do the Passion Play on my work hours to help co-direct it uh, at a particular year. And I did all the other things I did on the show. And uh, with the money that they paid me, I turned around and wrote this book of all these skits that I had also written for the church, um, for their youth groups and for their uh, uh, Sunday school classes. I put that together in an anthology, so it's available but uh, there's a couple of errors and mistakes I have to go and, and, and fix, and it's expensive to do, but they're embarrassing errors. I spelled forward for forward, but I spelled it the way it would be if you were moving forward, and it's supposed to be prologue. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something I got to fix. But uh, then I, I had written a musical, a comedy. It's rather adult, 
uh, it's not something I, I would, I would rate it PG 13 because it has um, references in it that I don't necessarily think children should, should read it because it's about a misogynist and uh, it's really about, it's a comedy and it's really about how he is the worst example of, uh, of a hero you could ever have. I wanted to take science fiction like what you would normally see in Flash Gordon or Star Trek. And the hero is really a uh, female lead and it was a rock and roll musical. So I wrote it as a novel. I wanted to do that um, to promote the play. And as a result, we had book signings and sellouts and um, it's a, I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to go back and make the, the, the gospels in there, but you'd have to be a Christian to see it. So I'd like to really put a little bit more emphasis on that and connect it with my current one called inner world, which takes place. It's a fantasy, but it's very, has a very strong Christian point of view. And uh, it's funny and it's charming and it has everything in it. You'd want in a, in a lighthearted fantasy, but it has a very important point of view on several levels. It has, it deals with faith and doubt it deals with doing what God has called you to do before you die. Because life is short and you don't know when you're going to go. That's a big part. Of it. And it has to do with finally believing in God, finally taking a risk and believing in something you can't see and you don't know is really there. So that's Inner World. And uh, it's free for now at Inkit.com, which is a publishing company. Uh, I would like to go traditional with this, but they have a thing where they say they want the morality rights outside of the United States. I don't know what that means, and it doesn't sound good. <laughs> so traditional publishing, which is now becoming or less and less popular, and um, self-publishing is becoming more and more productive. I think self-publishing is probably the way I'm going to go. I have complete control of the material. And I'm a writer. I'm a trained writer. I mean, I've been to a lot of classes and I will still use an editor. I will hire an editor because you, your, your, your book won't look or sound or be professional and you'll have those awful mistakes that end up being in print. So you want to use an editor. And if you go with a traditional pump, chances are you're going to have to do it anyway, because they are not going to pay for a lot of things. By the way, this is my writing partner right here. Oh, <laughs> oh, James, I love your cat. <laughs> he, he likes to walk across, walk across the keyboards. And so I used that in, uh, in the book I'm currently writing that my agents have been waiting for. I used the, whatever she wrote in that became the code for some important, you know, space thing. So, she, oh, she's, that's she's so cool. Co writing, <laughs> it'll be funny. It's the whole point. Oh, I love it very much. So uh, you pursuing the self-publishing, it really helps you yeah. control the information, control the control the outcome of the work. And, but I love your point, you know, to still, it's still important to work with an editor. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, it's a really good point. You know, doing it on your own can be great, but uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. All right. So James, in your opinion, what makes a successful story? You have to have a conflict, even in comedy. Your main character has to have a desire and a need. They can be together or they can be separate. 
but the main character is pursuing the desire. Something has to be in the main character's way that they can't get to it. They have to get around it or get over whatever the obstacle is that's in their way to get what they think they want. And usually they end up getting what they need. You have to have place. You have to have time. It goes over a period of time, whether you're going to go flashback or forward. And it has to, so it's linear, so we can follow it. And it has to have um, uh, character. So you have to have well-rounded characters. And you ask, have your characters ask nine questions. Who am I? Where am I? What time of day is it? Who are my relationships? How do I feel physically? How do I feel in the weather uh, of each scene that this person is in? Uh, and what is my obstacle? What is my way of getting over it to get what I want? What is it that I want? And what is it that I need? And each character that uh, you develop has one. It has those nine needs in every scene that they're in. Uh, I mean, when you're an actor and you're doing it in your script, you don't always have to tell yourself who you are unless you do what I do and play multiple parts in one, one show, which is usually what I do. I, in, in A Christmas Carol, I played several different people and in uh, Hamlet and in, uh, Macbeth and uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream, I was playing multiple roles. So, um, and it, but in the, in the passion play, I only played one role when I was on stage as an actor. Um, but uh, that, that is something that, as a character actor, you have to be able to, to, to use that focus. So when you're writing, it's the same thing. If you don't have that conflict, you don't have comedy, you don't have tragedy. And in fiction, you have to have a story. There's a book out called Infinite Jest. The author had taken his life after he had wrote the book. He never ended the book. That was the jest. It's very thick. And when you get to what you think should be the end, it's the appendices. So he didn't tell a story. He pulled an infinite jest. And then he went and took his life. So people think that's either brilliant or stupid or insane. But it's not going to sell your book unless you're a fan you know, of that person. But every book that I've read that I've loved has had those um, those elements to it. Uh, your hero, for writing a fantasy, your hero is an orphan um, or has been orphaned, has a mentor that eventually get, dies or gets out of the um, story and they have to make it on their own. Uh, if you're writing sci-fi, you have to have, at least if it's hard sci-fi, you have to have technology. If you're writing space opera, it's just kind of like fantasy. You still have to have that um, hero's journey and uh, um, if you're writing and I don't write um, romance novels I am not at all relatable to that and I don't write uh, Slice of Life although the best Slice of Life book I would recommend would be Ray Bradbury's Dandelion Wine it's a beautiful book and uh, um, it is a slice of life from a 12 year old boy's point of view during the Mm -hmm. summer you know it's just a terrific terrific book Um, my favorite author is C.S. Lewis, but my favorite book is The Lord of the Rings <laughs> as oh, one volume. Yes, and, uh, it's hard to pick. I think that list of questions that you you went through that you ask in each scene or in each um, 
like situation in a story that was really that was really helpful and kind of um how how an author would approach um a chapter in their story or to you know to help their character um develop um and and flesh out the story a bit fuller that um all of my favorite books um seem to do that very well the character development seems to be very um broad um, so that's, that was a really great list of questions. Um, if you don't mind, I might share that um, as maybe part of the show notes, just as people want to maybe um, have that list of questions, um, if they're a writer, um, kind of at the ready. Yeah, actually, that, those questions come from Uta Hagen's book on respect for acting. Oh, and, okay. But they're also, I took screenwriting courses, also the same questions that, that uh, the screenwriter has to have their characters uh, answer. James, you also mentioned in a prior yeah. conversation that there are so many wonderful ways to share the gospel. And it sounds like you've done that through a lot of your work. Could you share a bit more about what you mean? Like how, how there's many different ways that we can actually share the gospel message. Yeah, there are a lot of ways to share the gospel and many of them are wonderful. And um, my particular feeling on this is okay so now i'm down okay i'm not gonna let it get me down uh i'll write more than i wrote before well uh, you know i'm either in pain or i'm on medication so i have to do it when there's a middle ground but when i did the passion play i did that for 12 years for 12 years to an audience of about a thousand every night maybe less um but it turned out to be about ten thousand per easter season not many people get a chance to do that, you know? So that's a wonderful way of getting the gospel out is through drama. Another way is through, uh, you know, how Lewis did it in Narnia. I mean, it was just terrific. Uh, in fact, there's an anecdote where he, he, he would get a letter from a child that says, I love Aslan more than Jesus. And, and I feel bad about it. And, and he'd say, well, no, 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 no. You're loving Jesus. That's who Aslan is. And so that's a wonderful way of getting um, the gospel across. And, and something some people don't, and this might be very controversial, is through horror. Hmm. You think about what we really are dealing with as far as our battle. It's not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities of darkness. Now, that's not something to take lightly. But Jesus told a very scary story. And that's Lazarus and the rich man. Now, we don't often look at it as a frightening story. But I have a very good friend, Christian brother of mine, who is my best friend. And um, I have two best friends. One's in Illinois and uh, the best friend's here. And we pray for each other all the time. And uh, we are accountability partners and everything like that. But he told me that that story to him was one of the scariest stories. Because if you think about it, what that story says is that's it. It's over. You cannot go over that chasm and get into the bosom of Abraham anymore. You're done. You're stuck. So the rich man asks the angel that's guarding him, well, can I at least go back and warn my brothers? And he says, they have the scriptures and the prophets. If they don't believe them, they're not going to believe somebody who comes back from the dead. Mm -hmm. That's scary. That's a scary story. And Jesus told it. So he had a reason. 
So some stories are best told as a comedy or as a drama or as a children's fantasy or as a sci-fi or as a monster story or a, a frightening story. Um, I don't have any problem with that. In fact, a lot of my favorite movies are they're really cheesy, but they're the old universal monster movies with Frankenstein and the Wolfman. I know they're people in makeup. They never scared me because I always watched the monsters when I was a kid. <laughs> so never had a problem with that. So yeah, there is uh, another phase, as you know, is through worship music. And worship music now has become like it was, as you can probably tell from my beard, I'm older than toast. <laughs> so um, I grew up in I grew up in the 70s during the Jesus movement, when some of the music that came out of that period is still to this day, I think, blessed. Mm -hmm. If I need it, I put second chapter of Acts on, and I'm suddenly there in the presence of God. And of course, I will always plug anything Terry Scott Taylor does, because I think his bands have been, for me, intellectually stimulating, and um, as well as spiritual. And, uh, and he deals with all kinds of uh, what would be taboo for other artists, like doubt. How do you deal with doubt? Uh, as a Christian, how do you deal with doubt? You're not supposed to doubt. Well, it's there. You're human. And, uh, and so he's got a great song on the Alarma album called Walls of Doubt. And, and he's the lead singer songwriter for Daniel Amos, the swirling eddies, the lost dogs. And he does solo. He produces a lot of people. Well, the worship music that came out of Australia within the last what two decades, uh, uh has just been amazing and has affected so much of the music that we do now. Uh, and I'm sure you're aware of it. Um, being a worship leader for sure uh when you're when you're talking about that kind of uh it's 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 anthems but it's got you've got the band you know you've got the um the guitars and the drums and the singers which is exactly what psalms says to do bang the drums blow the horns make the noise you know play these instruments to the lord and then the, the, you know, the worshipfulness of, of the lyrical content. I know that there was somebody that said, yeah, but there's nothing about repentance in these songs. Well, that's a different thing. Uh, worship is giving God glory. You can thank him for forgiving your sins. That's part of the worship. Uh, there are songs and psalms and hymns, and they have different purposes. Mm -hmm. In songs, you can write about repentance and how important it is for forgiveness in worship songs you're giving god glory you're actually literally loving him that's mm -hmm. what worship is you're loving god almost as if you're giving him a kiss by singing these beautiful songs to him and i'm not one to lift my hands even though i uh you know have a background a small background in in um, foursquare i'm one to kind of sit with my head down and sing because I'm a performer anyway, and I don't want my worship to become a performance. Mm -hmm. So I kind of stay a little quiet, but I love the music. I love singing it. And I have been a worship leader. I have been on several worship teams. So I've had to be up front and, and do it. But uh, um, some of the stuff that's coming out now, is just, uh, it's, it's like exciting. a second revival is on its way. Don't you think? 
Oh, absolutely. It's really exciting. And um, yeah, it's, I kind of grew up, I'm child of the eighties and, but my Christianity, I really didn't start listening to Christian music until the early two thousands. And, um, you know, I didn't even really know uh, who Amy Grant was. It's crazy thinking back, like I, my exposure was super limited, but as I've gone back and listened to music from that Jesus movement, it's so powerful. And it's really fun to see some of these um, up and coming bands, almost tapping back into the soul of those songs. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's very exciting. It's very exciting indeed. So, and I love how, I love how you mentioned so many different um, types of stories and, and ways in which the gospel, the gospel message can be shared some things that, you know, we may not consider, you know, a powerful way to share the gospel message. Um, we shouldn't discount anything. We shouldn't, in our creative work, we shouldn't discount no. any genre that we enter into. You know, I, one of the, um, one of my favorite things I've learned about um, encouraging creativity in others is uh, to um, understand that the gospel isn't heard by individuals in any one particular way that we, we almost, we have the responsibility to, uh, create a gospel opportunity in so many different ways so that individuals can hear it in the way that they're meant to hear it or meant to see it or meant to feel it. And if, as Christians, if we aren't pouring in our own unique voice, our own unique talents and, and trying to draw them forward, help coming alongside the spirit to allow that message to be shared in those unique individual ways, then we're not doing, doing the work of the kingdom. And um, so that was, it's a huge encouragement. Um, Yeah. Just to, to spur each other on, like share the gospel in whatever way that you feel gifted to do it. Um, it's important. Yes. And may I add, it's important to pursue excellence in doing it. Can you share a little bit? So why, why is it important for us as creative Christians uh, to pursue excellence in our creative work? You can always come up with, you know, uh, whatever you do in name or deed do for the Lord. And then you say, well, that's what it is. But to show an example Go into the Old Testament and read how they had to put the tabernacle together. Uh, yes. Read who God called to do all the artwork. They had masters. to be the best, the yeah. very best. Master master. craftsmen. And he yeah. filled them with this. Yes, exactly. Uh, it had to be that way. Uh, and uh, I don't see it any different. Why would we be different? Mm-hmm. We're still his children. We're adopted into the house of Israel, really. We are his hands and feet are we going to just be lazy and slough it off and just do mediocre um maybe when we start we might think it's good and it might be mediocre to some people but don't stop mm-hmm. keep going keep learning keep training don't stop going to class you know uh, get better and better and better there's some uh non-union theaters in and around where I live, where the plays are much better than if you were to go downtown to the music center. And that's because those people put in 100% of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know 
if we talked about Phil Kagey, you can't match him. I can't. I, I don't know about you, but I can't play oh, guitar. No. Like he oh, can. heavens no. <laughs> and he's put 100% of himself into that. And Terry Scott Taylor puts 100% of himself in his songwriting. And uh, Tolkien kept changing the Lord of the Rings up till he died. And his son had to take over and put in the notes that uh, Tolkien wanted put back into the book. So raise the bar. Always raise the bar for yourself and for everyone else. If you get hired to do something for a church and they limit you, let them know. You're limiting me. I will do what you want because I believe God has called me to work for you. But you are limiting me if you don't let or allow me to raise the bar. They usually will. Hmm. They'll see it. They'll get it. They'll understand it. And um, as long as it's not going to cost them a lot of money. Yeah, there is that give and take. churches, they just don't have the money. The, the, the film I worked on for Todd, where I did the lyrics, he had me adapt as a stage play. Well, now that stage play is being done all over the world. He told me that on the broadcast I did for him on the podcast. I had no idea. His screenplay that I adapted to a stage play is being done in Africa and in mm-hmm. India and in Taiwan. All over. I wrote a children's Christmas play that's in my anthology book called Sheba the Tough Talking Sheep. And it was for the little kids. It's kind of Bugs Bunny kind of character. But she, Sheba goes to the stable. And within that is a lot of little comedy and a lot of little fun for the kids to play with. It made it to Amsterdam. I'm doing a production of A Christmas Carol. One of the girls that was in the play with me of Sheba came up to me and said, do you know Sheba's being done in Amsterdam? What? Amsterdam. <laughs> My play. That's really excellent. Yeah. God does stuff. And you don't always know what he's done. Mm-hmm. He might not always let you know. But he does it. He does. Have you he- ever had somebody come up to you years later and say, because something I now believe. Have you ever had mm-hmm. that? And if you haven't, you will. Yeah, just But it'll be doing, one, maybe work. two moments. Yeah. Very good. Well, James, as we wrap up, can you tell us what project, uh, like current project you're most excited about? I really like uh, um, what I'm, I'm going to be working on with Todd. Um, he's got a, a children's uh, animated story he wants to tell. Uh, he wants me to work on it with him. I also have, um, I've been adapting a screenplay to a novel that's going to, there's no deadline. And right now there's no money for it. So we're taking a break and that's fine because it's just a fun project, Christian project, but inner world has really impressed a lot of people. It is, uh, it is being beta tested at this uh, publisher called Inkit, I N K I T T dot com. So if you go there, uh, go on the search engine and look up inner world and you can download it for free and you can rate it. You can even leave a review and uh, it's impressed me that people take from it what they take from it Mm. um and there's some little easter eggs in that book that uh people haven't found that i'm very excited and hope somebody does you know but it's it's there and uh the gospel's there 
I love that little book, I guess. It came out of me like, uh, you know, I didn't even have an outline. Usually I have an outline. I have some sort of other form of the story and it's just, just started writing it. That's really cool. Very cool. So you've mentioned a couple. Oh, Oh, go for it. Yeah. I, there's one I'm, I started, I don't know if I'll ever finish it, but it is a almost Shakespearean drama of King Saul and his fall, the tragedy of King Saul. I really want to get that done. Yeah. I want to do it because it is, it is very, if you read first Samuel, it's very Shakespearean anyway. Uh, it's got all the wonderful stuff in it, the ghost of the prophet coming back and telling Saul exactly how he's going to die and all this wonderful drama and David and Jonathan and that yeah. whole um, Saul just wanting to kill David unless when he's playing the harp, you know, it's talk about conflict. It's an amazing story. So I don't know how many times I've read first Samuel, you know. Yeah, exactly. You've got your conflict right there. It's already there. <laughs> when Saul dies he falls on a sword that his his uh, uh sword carrier was holding for him so David kills the sword carrier so how dare you let him die so David loved Saul no matter what Saul was trying to do to him yeah it's a good story it's brilliant very I'm good to see that done as a staged classical production so there you go exciting awesome well um you've mentioned a couple resources but how could our listeners best connect with you well, I don't have a web page yet because, um, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, I had one and stopped. Pay- I couldn't pay for it after a while, so I'm going to have to get a new one. But you can reach me at Facebook. It's James Egan. There are a lot of James Egan, so look for this face, and um, well, actually, look for Darren and Kevin's face. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they can. Uh, people can. Yeah, there you go. That's that's the Kolchak hat right there different different ribbon but that's the hat <laughs> Very good. but um yeah you know, they can do that they find me on the imdb they can't contact me that way but uh you can contact me through facebook the christian writer support group is a, a a group a private group on um on uh, facebook which is very excellent it's excellent and um uh you're you're vetted before you can be in in the in the in the group i suggest it for any writer who's a christian to get involved with that group be aware that it is a support group not a publicity group right um, the uh, administrators give you one time to publicize a week other than that it's about helping each other very good very good well we will link that as well that's awesome and james we love to close all of our episodes with prayer so i would love to pray for you uh, and you're, you know, just thanking Thank God for our time today and what he's doing through your life and your creative work. So yeah, let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for this time to connect with James today. And, um, Lord, we thank you for the encouragement and the blessing that he has been in this conversation. Um, Lord, that, the story that you've written with his life uh, points to so many examples of um, how you, you use community to encourage us forward in um, who you desire us to be and help us to pay attention to those people in our lives that um, have encouraged us forward. And may we give thanks to you for them. 
Um, and Lord, we pray uh, for James as he continues to battle um, chronic pain, um, as he still continues to serve you and to serve others through story. And we pray for the current projects he's got going and for the time and uh, the resources to be able to complete those, um, to do excellent work uh, for the benefit of your kingdom, Lord. And um, we pray for his family uh, and his connections there in California. And uh, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you. Wonderful prayer. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, James, what final message of encouragement would you like to leave with our uh, listening audience today? Had a guy on Facebook, I won't say his name, who uh, was, uh, he's dealing with um, going back and looking at a book he wrote and remembering his past before he knew the Lord. And that uh, bothers him. And I've had that. I've had that anxiety. I know what that's, that's like to, to feel shame or to feel anxiety or, or whatever over your past. You are past that. You are in God's hands now. Your sin is as far from the east as from the west. You're new. Don't stop. Keep going. If you have to go back, and rewrite that book, or you have to go back and, and cut something out of your life, do it and move forward. Mm. And everything that you do, do for the Lord. And as Stanley would always say, excelsior. <laughs> Very good. Amen. Well, thank you for your time today, James. It was really great having you on as a guest. And uh, we'll link a lot of ways to connect with you in the show notes there. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, keep in touch with the community here on Creatively Christian and uh, we'll be in touch. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening today. To get our show notes, which have all the links and other interesting information that was mentioned in the show, head over to our website at theophanymedia.com forward slash James. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Bill Brooks, and Lynn Baber. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day, and keep on creating for our Lord.